0: Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. It must be 21 years or older. Hello, everyone. This is Toby and Brett with Covered in Glory. Uh, unlike our usual bombastic opening, I wanted to take a few minutes at the start to talk about the tremendous loss the entire soccer world felt with Grant Wall. If you're here for the Good Vibes and we hope that you are, uh, just hit the 30 second skip button until you hear the music. We'll do our usual show. But I would have been absolutely remiss if we didn't take a few moments to recognize this giant of US soccer. And I mean giant of US soccer. I have been tr- enjoying this World Cup tremendously. Anybody who's been listening to the show knows how much I uh, have loved the US's team and their performances and spending time with Brett and spending time with all of you and really reveling in uh, the experience that has been the 2022 U.S. Men's National Team. And I do not believe that I have this experience without Grant Wall. Uh, Grant started covering soccer in America very early, all the way back to, I believe he was still in college when he was covering the 94 World Cup. And he gave a good chunk of his life energy to elevating not just the entire sport in America, but specifically the U.S. men's national team. And I think he did exactly that. I think he provided so much coverage and so much awareness and uh, so much joy in the journey that the entire team was um, undergoing that it helped generation after generation to continue to lift the program and I mean that directly like being able to have somebody who's covering the sport in the way that he was doing it for Sports Illustrated which at the time was you know along with ESPN the biggest sports brand in the world just brought more and more eyeballs and it becomes a snowball effect as there's more eyeballs there's uh, more attention as there's more attention there's more money more resources and there's bigger player pools and there's all these things that kind of push it downhill to where we get to where we were in 2022. And that does not happen without Grant Wall. Um, It is a tremendous loss for the entire soccer community. It's a tremendous loss for the beautiful game. It's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous loss for his family. Um, That's true of any individual that passes. And sometimes it can get lost in the shuffle as we talk about these figures that had uh, lives that spanned well past just, you know, the walls of their house and, and the branches of their family tree. But, of course, all thoughts and prayers go With his family and his loved ones as they grieve with this loss. Um, sorry. Uh, so, of course, there's a debt of gratitude that I think the entire community owes him. Um, I would like to express a debt of gratitude personally. I'm, as I've mentioned several times on the show, I'm 42 years old uh so i was coming up you know getting into sports before the internet before social media before all those things and for those of you uh you know old enough to remember i think this will ring true and for those of you who are too young to remember um you know let me take an old man's path down memory lane here before the internet uh i would wait for Sports Illustrated to arrive in my mailbox. My parents were nice enough to subscribe to it. I believe it, uh, when I was a kid, it was usually Thursdays it would arrive, and it would cover you know things that had happened four days ago, which is insane to think about now, but I would devour every page, every word, and it would be the main way besides conversations you know with my family or some of my friends that uh, I really interacted with sports, and it was a one-way interaction, but it was absolutely monumental and fundamental 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 in, my love for all sports. Um, so as I matured and, you know, baseball, basketball, football were what I played and what I primarily followed. I lived in America. I lived right outside of Washington, DC. Uh, soccer wasn't something that I followed all that closely because outside of the world cup, it was almost impossible to, but then sports illustrated gave a pages to a very young writer named Grant wall. And Grant um, legitimized it, legitimized not just the sport itself, but my passion for the sport. One of the great things about the internet and social media perspe- uh, specifically is how much easier now it is to find your tribe. That no matter what you're into, it's so much easier to connect with other people that are into it. But when you're in 1994 and you're 14 and you're watching this World Cup that's happening in America, your family's, you know, kind of making fun of you for it, for getting into it because it's a European slash socialist game coming out of the Cold War, uh, and you know, but you just love what you see, and you're looking for validation, you can't find it just by going on to Reddit or going on to any sort of forum in the internet age that allows you to immediately connect with some thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who share the same passion as you do. All I had was Sports Illustrated. And all I had was Grant Wall. And when he started publishing those and I was able to read it and, the you know, this massive um, monolith in the sports world viewed soccer as legit enough to give pages to this guy, it started to validate it. Uh, and then obviously, like that just continued to go and go and go. And so that early validation that Sports Illustrated and Grant provided for people of my age with a burgeoning passion in the sport is the reason you're hearing my voice today. And so I owe him a tremendous debt of gratitude personally. And as he continued to publish and, you know, I continue to read him, my love of the sport just got deeper and deeper and deeper. I was uh, one of my great memories for him was when he broke that my adopted hometown of Austin, Texas, was getting an MLS team. That was a Grant Wall story. I remember it very specifically reading it and knowing it was his byline and, and you know, it meant uh, tremendous deals. I know it was a one way journey I was on with him, but it was a journey nonetheless. Less and for him to break, you know, such an important story in in my own journey meant a lot to me. Was, in some ways, I felt a relationship as we often do. I mean, I'm, if you're listening to this, you're listening to a podcast. Um, and podcasting has replaced writing in so many ways, and the connection that people feel are often with podcasters now. But you know. Podcasting's a young medium and writing goes back to when paper was invented. You know what I mean? Like the connection to writers can just be deeper. And when you're only experiencing it on these interim bases, it ends up being, I don't know, it feels like a more deeper personal relationship and I know I'm just rambling now, but I've been dealing with these feelings for several days uh, and I appreciate you guys letting me out have a moment to uh, to honor a guy that I really respected and to acknowledge, you know, the incredible tragedy that happened on Friday. Uh, I will wrap these remarks by channeling my inner Grant Wall for a second, because Grant wasn't just a great soccer writer. Grant was a model for all of us in speaking your own truth. Uh, Grant always, in at least the public eye, I can't speak to the private, but at least in the public eye, he stood up for what he believed in. Uh, when you know he thought that FIFA needed some, uh, some comeuppance, he actually stood up and ran for president. When he was upset about Sports Illustrated and the uh, change of management, the layoffs, he spoke up so much that they fired him, even though he was one of the best and most senior writers they had. And then in this most recent World Cup, he believes so much in uh you know kind of the lgBTq rights and uh, the the importance of the lives of the migrant workers that have been lost in in the putting on of this event that he was detained at the stadium and the last thing that he ever published uh, was very. Confrontational with the Qatari government about the treatment of migrant workers until the very last day, he continued to spe- speak his truth. And not all of us are going to have the courage to do that in public or maybe even in private. But the fact that he provided an example, just like he provided an example that it was okay to like soccer to a you know to a teenage Toby murgler he provides an example to all of us that you know, these things matter. He spread the message that he wanted to get out. He uh, had a platform and he used it to speak his own truth. And I think that there's an excellent role model in that for all of us. So all that said, uh, God damn you FIFA for having the greatest sporting event in the entire world in an area of the world where there's so many questions about his death. Uh, I hope his family finds peace. And if his family finds peace, then I'll find peace along with them. But the fact that there is so many rumors swirling around about, you know, the possible foul play that was involved here, uh, even even if there wasn't because of where you held this cup, uh, I don't think that the issue will ever be settled. And God damn you. God damn you for having it in this area of the world where these sort of controversies come out of it. So um, rest in peace, Grant Wall. We'll all try to honor your legacy and continue your work and what you built. We'll all be rooted there in 2026 as the U.S. men's national team takes the next next step forward. And I hope that even though you're gone, no one and as long as I have a microphone, I won't allow it. No one will forget the contributions you made to the game. And we're all going to be enjoying your fruits of your labor in 2026 and um, heartbroken. He won't be there with us so, Brett, I don't know if you have anything to add from your own memories, but I appreciate you guys listening uh, as I got that off my chest.
1: No, I mean, it, it's one of those things where um, to maybe just add on to a lot of things that you touched on, the stories that come out, um, you know, we do we do tend to galvanize a lot of people when they when they pass and they move on from this world. But I mean, um, the outpouring of stories from people that were coming on as character what he did for them personally, what he did for them professionally, um, obviously, is way more impactful than any, or just as impactful as what he did for the sport itself. Um, and that's always hard to see. Uh, you know, when you see someone that just clearly makes such a positive impact to people uh, around the people that are with him on a day to day, that are that cross past them professionally and personally. Um, you know, that hurts, and, and it's it's hard to see. Uh, You know, and even just one of his last pieces before he went to cover the World Cup was about Jesse Marsh and profiling Jesse Marsh's life. And it was, you know, titled the real life Ted Lasso kind of thing that has kind of taken along Marsh. But it was a very heartfelt, um, you know, well-written piece. And it it just kind of encapsulated the positivity in him and his coverage and his belief in pushing the sport forward in America. Um, and And it's it's just sad. It's just sad when. a a good person who clearly has a positive impact in the world around them is now not here. Um, and that sucks.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, as far as we can tell publicly, there's nothing Grant liked more than talking about soccer Uh, with anybody he came across so hopefully we could do just a small honor of his legacy by continuing to do so even if we do so with heavy hearts Uh, so we're gonna cue up the music now we're gonna do our regular show but um man you will always be missed and um we've really i truly i can't speak for brett but i think i can speak for brett i think all of us really truly appreciate all you have done to grow the game in america grow the game worldwide and um, contribute just so much to the dialect and the passion that goes beyond goes with this sport so thank you and rest in peace but now we will get to the world cup semifinals which uh, are setting up to be really excellent events let's go ahead and hit the music then we'll be back with the regular show to Covered in Glory, where we have made it, Brett, we have made it to the semifinals. We have got through 60 incredible drama-filled, passion-laden games, and we are down to the final three matches. They settle on the 2022 World Cup winner. But what an incredible quarterfinal that we saw. So much drama, so much excellent soccer, so many penalty kicks. How are you feeling about the quarterfinals <laughs> that you just watched?
1: Um, well, I mean, you know, it's you, every time that we you take a step in these knockout tournaments and the pressure increases, it is just the, the tension that overwhelms you when like Harry Kane steps to the spot and he's got a penalty kick to tie it. There are very few events in the world that make you just feel the weight of that burden and that tension than a quarterfinal, a semifinal, a final of a World Cup. It is such a a unique experience in that regard. Um, And it, you know, obviously, like, I was kind of like half into the 2018 one because the U.S. wasn't there. Um, But, you know, now that we're, we're covering it and we've been with it every day and we've been watching all these matches, like, The crescendo that's built up, I mean, it's been exhilarating, exhausting. It's both felt like it's gone by lightning fast and also been a little bit of a slog. It's just it's just been fun. Like it's this is what most of the fans in the world can't wait for four years is matches like that stories like Morocco. I mean, this is what this is what it's all about in that sense.
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of France fans, their wet dream was knocking out England after England misses a penalty. I mean, just <laughs> like a maximum emotional and mental damage for one of their chief geo- geopolitical rivals in a lot of ways uh, historically. So that had to be feeling great. I think the person who's feeling the second best besides everybody in France should be you after watching the Netherlands pull out a magnificent set piece to you know, extend the life in the tournament and justify every nerd who is going on and on about people <laughs> not maximizing their set piece chances. That became the poster child for why set pieces matter and a better example could not have been set.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was a, it was kind of a ballsy ballsy call for them to do it at that moment. Right. Like, cause we, we didn't really associate the Dutch with like being this team, you know, we talk about Denmark uh, we talked about a couple of the other teams that had hired set piece coaches, but it's not like the Dutch were throughout the entire tournament, like running every single set piece. They were running some cool and unique play, and here they do. They pull it out in the most pressure-packed moment of the match, and it and it comes off. And you just hope that this is the start of that. It's like, hey. Look at this high profile moment where when you actually worked on a set piece, you created an amazing chance. Gee, what if we did this every set piece? <laughs> um, so you kind of hope that, that at least, you know, from the, the people who worship spreadsheets like myself, uh, that this is going to be a, a harbinger of things to come.
0: I actually thought that it was kind of cruel to do that to Greg Burhalter. Like he had to be up all night examining the rulebook to make sure such a thing was even allowed. And, like, how does he, like, get on with his day and get on with his life after not understanding that you can do such things and then seeing it save somebody in one of the biggest games that anybody will play? And so, I mean, I don't know where the pieces of his mind are right now, but they're not in his head because they had to be blown. Um, Yes, and I am still bitter a little bit about a little the bit. Set pieces in the, a little, you know a little, little bit. Uh, so we have set up for pretty remarkable semifinals. I'm not going to say great semifinals, but absolutely remarkable semifinals. Uh, I think the vibes are really high here. I mean, having the first Africa side, making the semifinals was really awesome. Uh, even if it did come at the expense of a pretty amazing potential France Portugal matchup. Uh, and Croatia, you know, doing their old dogs thing and refusing to die and coming back and mastering the dark arts and knocking out Brazil and ruining the South America semifinal that we all thought we were going to get. I think they're excellent storylines, but I got to admit, Brett, I got to admit, I don't want to, I don't, you're usually the rain cloud and I'm usually the sunshine, but I kind of wish we got the other games, you know? I kind of wish we were watching four of the, Seven best teams in the world square off for a matchup of the final instead of facing on both sides of the bracket, you know, uh, a pretty serious favorite versus a Cinderella.
1: Yeah. I mean, <sighs> the Argentina Brazil miss is that one hurts to see that in a World Cup semifinal. Um, to see that with two players that are arguably one of the, the top five players still in the world, uh, in Neymar and Messi, uh, that would have been, you know, I mean, and, and with the intention hatred within that rivalry um between the two it would have been like no other i don't know if the match would have been like much of a soccer match as it maybe would have been like a wwe like cage match um but but it would have been it would have been really great to see that um however <laughs> the croatian thing is just interesting in the fact of like how long can I keep doing this?
0: Well, okay, know. hold <laughs> on. So stick, 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 a, stick a pin in that for one second. Let's get into the matches. I'll set it up, and then I'm going to okay. ask you that exact question, so don't okay. ask it of yourself. Okay. Uh, so we have two semifinal matches that we're going to cover today. They're on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, both of them start at 2 p.m. Eastern. The first one is Argentina versus Croatia. Argentina is minus 126. Croatia is plus 380. The draw is plus 235. As a reminder, these are 90-minute lines, which is why you still hear the draw on there, and that's why the numbers are a little bit different, because that draw will cause your Argentina bet to lose if they win in extra times or penalties, uh, which is highly likely since they're going against Voldemort. Uh, So if you want to take all of that out, just to qualify, Argentina is minus 275. Croatia is plus 210. Argentina minus half a goal is minus 125. If you like Croatia to either win in regular time or extend this extra time yet again, that number is minus 105. Finally, two and a half goals. The over is plus 150. The under is minus 190. So, Brett, you've already stole my uh, my setup for this. Here is basically how I'm thinking about both matches, and I'm going to ask you to, to take the other side, at least briefly, and uh, try to talk me out of this. I usually try to spice things up. I like to keep things interesting. I like to look for good storylines. I like to look for good value and those sorts of things. I am prepared coming into the semifinals to just make the squarest bets possible uh, because I just don't see how Croatia and Morocco continue their runs. So first, how the hell has Croatia done this? And second, how the hell can they keep doing it? Uh,
1: well, to answer the first question, how have they done this? Uh luck in a very random sport (laughs) is basically what it comes down to. They, they, they've been outplayed like the Brazil match. I mean, we go over the spreadsheets, every number, all the time at this point, you already know what we're going to say. Brazil outcreated them. Brazil at every, everything.
0: Well, hold on. They They didn't just outcreate them. Hold on. I mean, like I I make fun of your spreadsheets from time to time, but they do provide important context. XG in that game, Brazil, 2.55 Croatia, 0.63. And they scored off a deflected goal. (laughs) Yes, exactly. They created four times better chances according to the XG and still came out at nil-nil. What is going on? Well, I mean, there was a lot,
1: too, with it, like the the inexplicable sub of uh, basically probably the fifth best player, sixth best player in the world at this and Vinicius Jr. And this, like, thing is 63rd minute Um, for a guy who plays on his own club team, Rodrigo, who isn't even a nailed-on starter for that team. It was really weird to see that sub, Um, I think, you know, uh, Gigi, he's he's been odd. the Weverton sub for Allison in the match before. just seems like weird karma at this point, too, where it's like, oh, we're going to go for the feel good vibes and get our third string keeper some minutes, you know, in this cool exhibition match that we're playing. And like, it's like, no, dude, it's a World Cup. Slip off one of your attackers. You're trying to win and maximize your value of your attackers. What are you doing in, in the match before, you know, uh, the quarterfinal? Um, so I, I think part of it was there were some some odd decisions there. Uh, a lot of it just comes down to the fact that this is soccer, right? Like teams can do this. Teams can pile on chances and they can lose. And that's what they did. And I, I, there's nothing about that match with Croatia that made me think like, oh, they're doing something spectacular. I mean, obviously a lot has been written about Lavakovic, the goalie with his penalty saves. Um, he's been sp- spectacular. I think he leads the tournament um, in what we refer to on the show occasionally in post-shot XG being saved. Um, so post shot sounds like basically what's the, what's in the title is it's where the ball ends up on the goal frame. So there's a difference between regular XG, which is the value of a shot taken from a certain location off a certain pass to a certain body part. And then there's the post shot XG, which is where the ball ends up on the net frame. And Lovakovic has basically been a brick wall. Let's put it that way. Um, he has saved Croatia North of three goals throughout the world cup, which is, immensely valuable toby especially in this the world cup of nil nils to save three goals yeah. is huge um and 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 they just hang around they they have enough guile they have enough playmakers they're deep enough i mean the guy who set up uh the goal or sick has been um on uh dynamo uh the, the top team in croatia and he he basically has been on a heater in the Champions League he comes out in this match i think for about 40 minutes only and this is the most extended game actually has and he sets up you know the what else me be being the deflected goal that tied the game that led to the penalties which led to Croatia winning so this is soccer i mean this is why we love it right cuz every team has a chance to do this they can get pummeled and haymaker like rocky balboa and <laughs> against ivan drago and they can still come out on top And I think that's essentially, it sounds boring, but that luck fortune factor just has worked in Croatia's favor and an extended run of games at the highest level possible.
0: Yeah, well, it's wonderful. Uh, Cinderella runs are wonderful. It's one of the things that makes sports worth watching. And, you know, if everything ended in the expected manner, then we'd just be living in a simulation. Haven't ruled that out. Uh, That... (laughs) Didn't even make these, you know, worth the, the time we spent or especially the energy we spent thinking about it. So it's great. To can I, I, can I turn to
1: around one thing on you, though? So sure. the, we talk about underdog stories, narratives and all that. To me, going in to those matches, going into the quarters and I want you to, I, want, I really actually genuinely want to hear exactly where you are, are on this. I actually thought that Croatia, despite being the better team in the rankings and everything else than Morocco, we, I looked at that match against Brazil as it was going to be a walk. I thought yeah. Brazil was going to walk them. I actually had way more faith that Morocco was going to be Portugal than I did in Croatia standing up to Brazil and even being in a position where they could steal a game in the end. Was I the only one there? Because,
2: of course, it, not. Okay. I mean, all right.
0: You know, I, I think you were here last week when we did our show. I'm pretty yeah. sure you're present. I we both talked about how we thought it was the most predictable of the four games. I wagered, you know, extra pints on it that I wouldn't normally do because I was so certain in the way it was going to turn out. And by the way, this is where like, you know, process-based decisions versus results-based decisions start to kick in. I I'm not even convinced we were wrong. The I mean, results we would were. point out that we were wrong, yeah. but you know, like if they're going to put 2.6 XG on them and only give up 0. 0.6, they're going to win that game eight to nine out of 10 times. And we just happened to see the one that was the one out of 10. So I think it played out not that different than the way we thought about it. Uh, and then in the Morocco game, like I was giving out, you know, like, Hey, Morocco's not drawing dead here. Just get the proper odds. Take them to win to nil. Take them 1-0. Get it up to plus 1100 if you're going to play it. Not, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you'd be a sucker to even throw your money away because you know they're drawing dead. So I think going into the matches, the analysis was still right. But as you said, this is soccer and it dispenses joy and misery at random. Uh, and so it just happened to turn out this time that, you know, Croatia came through and Brazil went home despite being the far better side.
1: Yeah. And to answer the second part of your question is, can they continue doing this? And the reason I'll give to you there is the guy that stands in the coach's box for Argentina. Uh, Lino Scaloni has been arguably, in my opinion, the worst manager in the world cup. And he just so happens to be managing probably the best team left. And yes, I know that includes France. Um, And I I am just not convinced with the the number of kind of mistakes that Argentina has won in spite of. Enzo Fernandez literally not being part of the game plan until about the third knockout round match. The fact that he switched to this back three formation to quote-unquote match up with the Netherlands wingbacks, because you definitely got to be worried about Daley Blinn, but he played an inferior team and basically allowed the Netherlands to hang in that match. Then in the later part of the match, he so, He played so passively and made a sub so defensively that they literally had 30 seconds to line up crosses and put the ball into the box for these two giant strikers and Wu Weghorst and Luke Jong to just pull over Lissandro Martinez. I'm sure there's a lot, of, a lot of memes about some of those pitchers that are out there on the internet now. Um, and and then again, the the decision to put Di Maria on too late. Because if you remember, in the extra time, he puts Di Maria on, and what happens? They have a, like six corners. They like triple the amount of corners of the match. And then Enzo almost almost wins it in a walk off goal from outside the box, which was one of about four or five shots that they took since Di Maria came on, and they played a back four. And that was a sub that should have been made eighty minutes ago. If Di Maria was healthy to play, so. That to me is the biggest concern going into this match. It's actually why I land on the draw here for the ninety minutes at plus two thirty-five. Is I don't see the way that Croatia does this other than the dark arts. Okay, so if they're they're gonna go talk to Doctor Strange or whoever the villain was in Doctor Strange, I can't remember. Cassilius, there we go. I'm a Marvel nerd too, apparently now. Um, but they're gonna go there. I think they're going to be able to hang in this game. I don't see the separation factor. I also see a move in Argentina starting 11 where I'm texting you before the match going, what is he doing? Um, So that's where I land on this one is I think the draw is the bet. I think one, one nil nil and then extra time rolls around and we just kind of see what happens.
0: I just don't see it. I mean, Argentina has been clearly the better uh, team. In four of their five games in the World Cup. The only exception, uh, strangely being when they beat Mexico 2-0. That game was closer to evenly played. Like even against Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia got an extraordinarily, you know, fluky goals in order to beat them off 0.15 XG uh when Argentina was over two. They they were the better team against the Netherlands. I know the XG is skewed because of the penalty, uh, but still, like Netherlands only managed 0.55 XG. They have been the better team against almost every single team they have played in this tournament. And I can't like Croatia. I think the only game you can say that about is against Canada. So we've got, Ten games between these two teams, uh, played between these two teams, and four out of five times, I think Croatia has actually been outplayed, uh, setting aside the result. And four out of five times, I think Argentina has been the better team. That is starting to be in large enough sample size that no matter what the dark arts are, no matter what you might hate about the Argentina manager who keeps screwing up decisions yet keep blowing teams off the pitch – I've got to take Argentina in the 90. Uh, You know, the numbers minus 126. So it's obviously not that sexy of a number, but they're the better team. And regression comes for everybody but Messi. And Argentina has Messi. So, like, I don't... (laughs) You can can play this team with Destiny stuff. But like, I'm going to say the same thing about Morocco eventually, unless you find a way to talk me out of it. The only argument I can come up with Croatia, besides the dark arts is that they're excellent midfield controls the game enough, breaks out, you know, destroys the Argentina engine room. Messi can't get the ball in space. He can't do anything to create their back lines, not doing any line breaking passes and there's just no fluidity to the game. And they muck it up and try to win one zero possible. Yes. And now, possible. now
1: you're, now you're stealing my thunder. Cause that was my exact point is if, uh, if Frankie De Young and Toon Cope Miners can control a midfield like they did in the in the a match against the Netherlands, imagine what the trio of Brozovic, Kovacic, and Modric will be able to do. Yeah. And that's my concern for, for Argentina and why it pushes me more towards the draw. Is the other thing is like Argentina has been fantastic defensively. Um, obviously, Emmy Martinez has not had a stellar tournament and shot uh, stopping like the five shots that he's seen. Um, but they have also had long spells where they have really struggled to create. They're, they are, in a way, dominating these matches, and especially at, in terms of the underlying numbers, but like, it's not the way that like Germany was pouring on chances against Japan or the way that they were against Costa Rica. It's, a, it's more of like your Tuchel-Chelsea type of teams, right, where they control the match, they're pretty secure at the back, there's usually very little threat there, but then when they get into the attacking third, It's what has to happen like in the last match where it's messy, literally playing a pass at an angle that no one in the world can see that even on the replay, I'm like, how did he, how like (laughs) physics don't work that way. Um, So that's my concern.
0: You're taking a team that has won one game on the way to the World Cup semifinal against the greatest player who ever lived. I guess you're not taking them out, right? You're taking them just. No, to the draft. I'm
1: just saying that I think what's going to happen is the balance of chances is going to be close enough that it's not going to be out of the realm of possibility that Argentina doesn't convert, um, and that Croatia does enough that maybe they nick a goal like they've done before. Uh, you know, because even when we talk about XG, it's not like you know if they create point six. It just means that they had a 60% chance of scoring a goal, like different shot locations are going to lead to different outcomes. And then there's margin of error within that, right? That's just numbers. Um, And I suck at numbers and I'm saying that. And so that's where I think this is going to be. I think this game is going to be played within the margin of error, the most boring
0: analysis possible, Well, but that's where I think it's going to be. All right. Well then let's talk. I'm taking Argentina. I'm taking them in the 90. Yeah. Um, Uh, But let's talk about ways to exploit the value, you know, if you think it's going to be the way you're talking about or you think it's going to be the way I'm talking about. Either way, there's better plays than probably just the straight money line or the draw line uh, Mm -hmm. in this game. So, Brett, uh, for your side, I'm pretty sure you're going to like all of these, but tell me if there's one that you like the most. Sure. There is a bet boost uh, at our friends on Caesars right now. Coratio wins 1-0 is plus 1,100 at Caesars 1100 for a one zero Croatia win. I, if you're, if you're going to play Croatia, that's the one to go play. Um, if you just believe history is going to repeat itself endlessly, Croatia to win on penalties is also plus 1100. You can get that right now. Uh, Croatia to win to nil. If you don't want just the one zero, you want any range of outcomes, It's plus 550. I'd go get the bet boost over that one personally. But if you want to expand the menu of ways you can win, uh, Croatia plus 550. So those are the ones on the Croatia side that if you think it's going to go the way Brett's talking about, I'd go and and try to look at those specific plays. Uh, Brett, is there anyone there that jumps out to you? And would you add any of your own?
1: Well, we always, you and I always talk about this, uh, you know, so we're kind of broken records, but we always talk about the range of outcomes that we picture for the match. And and what are the winning ranges of outcomes from Croatia, right? It's one goal where Argentina struggles to either convert their chances or create them. And it's they drag this game out into penalties and they win in penalties. That's about 60 to 70% of their range, in my opinion. 2-0, 2-1 scorelines, especially in, in regular time, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't, I do not see that at all. Um, So I think that's why you want to take these bets. It's like you're working within a very limited range of outcomes. And I know this. we probably sound like broken records with the Netherlands, U S match in this, and then it ended up being three, one. So there's that, but I think that's where we're operating from. I think this is a different team. I think these teams are both better than the two uh, that we talked about in the U S Netherlands match. So I just think these ranges of outcomes are so limited on Croatian side that anytime you're getting plus numbers over five to one, it's a home run.
0: Yeah. Uh, on the Argentina side, here's a, here's the list of ones I like. Um, it's an autoplay for me at this point is especially at the number, Messi, anytime goal, plus 130. You're still getting a plus on the GOAT, Continue to score. Uh, he's, you know, 2017 LeBron James on the Cavs at this point. Like, we're watching what, arguably the greatest of all time ever to do it, fulfill his destiny by winning one for his, his home country in this space instead of his hometown. Like, we can talk about Croatia as a team of destiny all we want. Messi has his own team of destiny is a, is a story and a vibe that you can't really avoid. So I'm just going to continue to play that and it continues to win. Uh, Julian Alvarez, who's getting a lot of opportunities in Argentina right now, is plus 250 as an anytime goal scorer. Another one I like if you like them to break through the dark arts and get in the goal a couple of times. Um, both score draw. That's not an Argentinian bet, but to go back to Brett's uh, style of play, it's one I forgot to mention. That's plus 380. Uh, Argentina to win and Messi to score, if you want to put those together, is plus 200 over at Caesars. And then Argentina to win to nil uh, if the tired legs of Croatia finally completely give out and they're not able to get on the score sheet, that's plus 165. And then two others that I really like, Argentina to win second half is plus 110. So if this thing gets mucked up the entire first half, but then they're able to get a goal in the second half, or they get one early in the first half, Croatia has to try to chase, which is not Croatia's game. And then Argentina gets, you know, one or two on the counter or in a a more open game in the second half. Uh, So I like that one a lot. Argentina wins second half plus 110. Uh, Very, very similar idea. Highest scoring half second is only minus 120. So if you think this thing has any shot to be nil nil or one zero in the half, and then it's gonna op- that score line's gonna open up in the second half for both sides, the uh, high scoring half second at minus one twenty represents really good value to me, Brett.
1: Well, I'm gonna add something, and uh, it's it's definitely a Toby Steel. It's a Toby Steel move. You usually like to not yellow cards. I, I thought about that definitely after the last match where Argentina lost their minds. Definitely thought about yellow cards and red cards, but. It's a total corner bet. Uh, And under 8.5 corners is not a a sexy line. It's minus 137 on Caesars. But this is going to be a game of super bland possession. And super bland possession does not lead to corners. And remember, before things got nutty at the end of the Argentina game against the Netherlands, there were virtually no corners or set pieces throughout that entire match. They really all came late. Um, yeah. and these two teams are going to play super passive. If Croatia has the ball, they're going to be passing around through their midfield and probably kind of dying out a little bit in the final third. And we've seen this unless it's Messi doing something insane. The ball re- is really getting to the byline and getting cut back and going off defenders. Um, so I love the under 8.5 corners. It will be in my five point pickoff. <laughs> I will tease that now. Um, and then the other one is, uh, Alexis McAllister, is probably not looked at as a, one of the key players in Argentina, but he's been playing a ton and he's been playing in like a free eight, almost like 10 role, um, which means he's almost playing like a pseudo striker and he's plus 500 as an anytime goal scorer. And it's not like he's gone through the tournament and he obviously has the goal here, but it's not like he's gone through the tournament and he's only had the the one shot that he scored on. He's been getting into dangerous positions and at plus 500 when I'm looking at at goal scorers, uh, you know, we can have a talk about Julian Alvarez (laughs) on another podcast, uh, but it's messy. And then I think it's actually McAllister is my second one. And at five to one, that's pretty good. So if you think Argentina is going to score and you think it's going to come from open play, I think that's a really good bet.
0: All right. Well, hopefully we gave you more than one really good bet there. And hopefully they gave us a really good game. Uh, If it goes Brett's way and it gets to the draw, then we're all going to be on the edge of our seats and we'll kind of all be winners there. If it goes the way I think it is, it might be slightly less exciting because I think Argentina could walk them if the game opens up and that's just Croatia's is not built for that. Particularly uh, on the sixth game having played back to back extra time and having a little extra fatigue in them. Uh, But we have one other game to discuss, but first let's take a quick break.
2: Your first bet with Caesar's Sportsbook and casino. It's on Caesars up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code C Z R F U L L and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you a 1,000 tier credits and a 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Free stays, game tickets, experiences, and more. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Yes, you have to know... Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y, that's 467-369. Or text C-O-N-N-E-X to 247-247-Tennessee. Call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789.
0: All right, we are back with our second semifinal on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. We have France versus Morocco. France is minus 195. Morocco is plus 600. The draw is plus 285. Just to qualify, France is minus 450. Morocco is plus 300. Our friends over at Caesars also have France minus one and a half goals on an adjusted line at plus 160. Morocco at minus 200 to keep it tight. The two and a half goals, the over. 2.5 Two point five is plus one twenty five. The under is minus one sixty. So, uh, but you know, same song, different verse. We have another heavy favor versus another underdog that seems to have sold their soul to the devil to keep things going. I mean, they have also, similar to Croatia, been uh, they've been a little bit more competitive than Croatia has in a lot of their matches. Uh, they outplayed Belgium, for example. They actually outplayed Portugal. I don't think that that the way that game was played, that wasn't a fluke whatsoever. I thought they were the better side in that game. Um, they hung in with Spain, even though Spain was probably slightly better. And so, like, they have been very competitive in a game that I think is going to be studied forever. They played Croatia in the, in the group stage in uh. one of the most boring games of the entire tournament. <laughs> so how those guys both made the semifinals, I think, will be studied forever. Uh, but I would love to see the first African finalists, just like I just in my heart's full with seeing the first African semifinalists. We kind of discussed that on the last show. But come on, man. Tell me right now why France, of all teams, isn't about to walk Morocco. And we're about to see the end of the Morocco run, just like Leola got punked in the final four with Sister Jean sitting there. <laughs> just like George Mason turned back into a pumpkin and got routed in the final four. They made it. They've got, they can take their victory lap. They can have their celebration, but tell me why they're not about to just get blown up. Like most Cinderella's that make it to the stage.
1: So this is actually, I'm going to sound so nerdy for saying this, but this is actually a really cool conversation about expected goals. Um, So one of the things is uh, with single game expected goals is you have to take an account for game state. Right. And so what, what I mean by that is that when a team gets up early, let's say, when Morocco scores on an outrageous header by uh, El Nasari in I think it was in the like thirtieth minute, um, they uh, when their XG ends the match being less than flattering. It's because they basically scored a goal, they sat back, and they played defensively throughout the match. So in theory, the opposing team should kind of sneak up on the chances that they create. But the hope is is that those chances are really low quality shots outside the box uh, or things like Bruno Fernandez, just like aimlessly whipping crosses into the penalty area. Um, So like the XG in some of their matches, the underlying numbers they've had in some of their matches have mostly just been kind of a result of game state. I think more than anything and the style of play that they have, because as much as we've bashed Scaloni in with Argentina, Morocco has been the team with the clearest identity with the most organized defense And they have really good players. Like, you know, we we don't talk about a guy like Archie Fikini a lot because he plays for PSG. He's in the Champions League. He was at Inter Inter Milan before that. He is one of the world's best wingbacks slash fullbacks. Like, he's incredible. He's really good. Um, You hate Zayich. But his inclusion in this national team has made a huge difference.
0: I don't hate Zion. <laughs> I just wish he played for a different team. That's all. That's all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you just hate his body language and all the other things that go with him. Um, but then you know, you look at sofan Bufal as well. Like, you know, he wasn't just a bum, like he plays in uh league and he played for Southampton and he has a clear skill. He can dribble guy by guys and create shots And in the World Cup that actually makes him a pretty solid international winner. Um, so like. There's a great setup with this team. I have been really impressed with how organized they are, how f- very few clear-cut chances they allow. And let's be, let's be honest about France. I've been in love with the names. I went nuts after they blew Australia off the pitch. They, have, they were barely the better team against Poland, and they were a Harry Kane penalty away
0: from oh, England. England was possibly. a better team in that game. England was yeah. a better team in okay. game. I'm the game. I, right was I, was
1: go that, that, I wasn't even going to go that far. I thought it was, you know, a slight edge England. But yeah, I agree. There was, there was an open question to whether or not they should have actually advanced if Perry Kane makes, uh, converts that penalty. So uh, something seems amiss with this French team. And I, I haven't, through all my number digging and spreadsheets, I can't put finger out what it is. But one of the things is, is like, we talk about Mbappe a lot and we talk about um, Uzman Dabelli on the other side, it's been Antoine Griezmann, who's kind of approaching wash territory, that actually has created the most expected threat on their team. So, yeah. like, that seems problematic. And Chumeney was the guy that actually really, like, made the difference in that match, scores a wonder goal through, like, two guys' legs, and that's not even Chumeney's thing. Like, that's, he's a defensive midfielder. Um, I, I It's plus plus 600 from rocket to win this dude. I can't <laughs> six to one with how they've been defending and the way that they create at least like one quality chance, one big quality chance of match. Like maybe that's hard to do it. Like consistently do that and like convert that chance and then get in a, a, a good game state where they don't have to chase the match. But like I'm banking on them. I think they're the, the most well-managed team six to one. They win this match. More than once every six
0: times. That's, do you think they can? Do you think they can get to two goals?
1: That well, that's going to be the open question, right? Like, if this game turns into a track meet, if that pick is going to look really dumb, it's going to be all about can they limit and at least avoid the, a really early goal or going down too quickly. Um, I don't think they can do that, but I also don't think France is like a lock to get to even one.
0: Uh, well. If you think Morocco can win and you're skeptical about France getting the two goals, that leads to the natural bet of Morocco 1 0. You want to take a guess? At
1: the at the Morocco 1 0 line, is it still? Yeah. What was the other one? I was like plus 1,100, right? Yep. Plus
0: 1,100 was Croatia? Plus, plus thir- and that was boosted. This yeah. is plus 1,300. So if you like Morocco to win and, and I'm somewhat skeptical, they can get to two goals uh, in any game, particularly against, you know, France, then that plus 1300 is pretty really dang juicy, man. Uh, um, i I I could be talked into taking, you know, some adjusted France lines and also taking the Morocco 1-0, and even though they're mutually exclusive because that value is so high. But I wouldn't take them straight up. I would try to get the true value, just like we said last time, like taking Morocco straight up versus trying to either take them to win to nil, which I believe is plus 800, uh, or taking the exact at plus one zero 1,300 seemed like the place to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this match to me is going to be a dogfight and it's going to be within one goal either direction, I think. So I think a lot of those 1-0 score lines. I think a lot of like the, I mean, honestly, the bets that you have to qualify for Morocco, I think they're plus 300 on Caesars. Like, if you're not convinced that they're going to win in the 90 minutes because they, they're not going to get that goal, but you think that this is going to be something where they can nick one an extra time or win in penalties... Plus three hundred is a pretty great line, like going forward. to me, I, I you know we always talk about our internal calculus before we enter these matches. I mean, mine for Morocco to advance was about plus two hundred ish give or take maybe twenty five percentage points either way. Um, I don't know where yours was, but like I'm staring at plus three hundred now for Morocco to do that. I'm also looking at the under of two and a half goals at minus one sixty. Uh, because I think I think that line is even more generous because I think you're going to get the over a lot because of the star bet a lot more because of the star power on France and because of the belief that, like you said, this is where the Cinderella tale ends. This is where the pumpkin, or this is where they turn back into the pumpkin, right? They're gonna, they had a great run. They beat a Portugal theme that everybody maybe thought was flawed, but now it's in Now it's Griezmann. Now it's in I like the fact that this game is going to be just an absolute dogfight. And even though it's minus one sixty, the under two and a half, man. I know it's the simple, basic bet, but where does where does the third goal come from? Yeah, it's, it's a France two one win, right? That's the yeah. Idea. Well,
0: well, I mean, it it could be three zero. Like France has enough firepower to cover that line themselves, um, but I think France two one is the more likely way that hits. Yeah, uh, I I don't love that number. I don't love like land that much juice, the the minus 160 for something that I think is it's probably not a coin flip, but it's it's probably not as high as those lines would suggest. Um I you've already mentioned his name. I mean I I think if Morocco is able to win this game, it's cause Hakimi just puts on the most dominant right back performance that we've seen so far in the tournament, which might belong to Kyle Walker right now. Kyle Walker did a tremendous job against Mbappe in the last round, and Hakimi is a better, much, much, much better player than Kyle Walker. So, can he do the same thing? Because if Mbappe is completely bottled up, and they're going to rely on a far less consistent star, like a Dembélé, or they're just going to have to continue to rely on Giroud to score goals that um, turn back the clock and avenge the fact that he managed to not score at all in 2018. And all of a sudden he's scoring winner after winner here in 2022. I can see a case for it. I'm, I'm just not taking it though. I think, I think you can make a value based argument uh, and you've done an excellent job of it. That, that, that might be where you want to place your dollars, but that's still not the majority of the outcomes of this game. I think France wins this game. One zero, two zero, two one, three zero. I don't know. Seventy percent of the time or more, um, and as such, taking the long shots, even if they're mathematically certain or mathematically shrewd, I, I think we're going to see France Argentina. That's that's what I think. I told you at the beginning of this segment that I was going to take the squares bets, unless you could talk me out of it. I think you're going to make you're making some good math bets, but I think on Sunday at nine a.m. or ten a.m. Eastern, uh, six days from now, we're watching Mbappe play Messi with both Cinderellas back at home.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in that vein, the other one that I did look at is the dam breaking in extra time. I I, I think I actually did bet it last week at plus 1,000 with Portugal, I think was the line if I remember correctly. Um, but France is plus 900 to win in extra time. So I think that one, if, if your rationale is France will overcome with the talent, I do think that there's a very good chance that that overcome stage comes after the original 90 minutes. And you're getting nine to one. Um, and yeah. that's and that's where that is definitely an area where Morocco will be. Morocco is not a deep team. It's the same problem that the U.S. has when they sub guys off like Buffal, like Zayich. You're not getting comparable players on behind them. Um, so I think it's going to be hard for them if they get to extra time. I think this is a game where Morocco is playing for penalties. Um, but France is going to bring on guys like Kingsley Coman. And that and Kingsley Coman would be the best player on Morocco, um, other than probably Hakimi.
0: Other um, than Hakimi.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that's that plus 900 number. I'm not going to, it's not going to be my five point this week. Like Portugal is, um, but I do think it, you can make the case. This game gets two extra time. nil nil one, one where the under bet does come into play and you hit. And then you could also still get France in the plus 900 to win in an extra time.
0: Yeah. Well, the other bets I like just, uh, Put a fine point on it. Um, since we only had two games to talk about, surprise, we talked about each of the games a lot. Uh, similar to Messi, if you can get one of the greatest talents who's ever laced him up on a soccer pitch at a plus number in a World Cup semifinal, I'm taking Mbappe anytime at plus 125. Uh, I know he's you know didn't have his typical game against England, but the rest of the tournament he has been absolutely spectacular, and I think he's going to bounce back and advance his team into the finals um one i really like is france minus 110 to win the race to 2 i don't think morocco gets there so all of a sudden you're getting minus 110 for france to score twice and there's a variety of ways they can get there just off of pure quality but also off of an early lead morocco starts chasing space opens up and france has tremendous speed and skill to take advantage of any holes in a uh, defense that open up as they try to push forward a little bit more um If you do like Morocco's defense and and their coaching to keep it tight early, this has been a favorite of mine throughout the tournament. First goal, 31st minute uh, or later for either team is minus one Oh five. So first 30 minutes, we see a tight matchup, well-managed. Uh, the guys aren't really going after it. The impact subs haven't come on. Um, and then that, you know, that dam breaks. And all of a sudden we start seeing some action. So that's uh, minus one something that I've had a lot of success with throughout this tournament. Uh, if you want to compare them together, the first goal comes, I'm sorry, France scores first. And it's after the 31st minute. You can get that up to plus 160. Um, France to win and there being at least two goals is minus minus one oh five. So now you're talking about France, two, zero, two, one or higher. And, uh, finally, similar to the 31st minute bet, but you can get better odds. If you don't think the last 15 minutes of the half is going to yield anything, the half of the first goal second is plus two Oh five. So goes in nil-nil, which I think is only minus one third or plus one thirty-five. You can get an extra 70 points of juice by layering in that there will be a goal by either team in the second half.
1: All right. Well, I only got one to add to all this. And, and this is it's because it's gonna be our last one probably before we get to the five pint. We're gonna have a little fun with it. So we probably have we have no real idea who the penalty taker would be on Morocco because they haven't taken one yet in this World Cup. You can make it, it's probably a three-way race, and that's Hakimi, Zayich, and Nassari. And Nassari's and taken some for Sevilla. Zayich hasn't really been the guy in any of his clubs, but he definitely seems like he might just, by pedigree here, uh, as the best attacker, take it from Morocco. But if you if you think Archie Hakimi, because of who he is, because of his clutch penalty to advance them, would be the guy that steps up to the spot. He is plus 1,400 as an anytime goal scorer. Penalties get called once every four matches, basically about 25%. There's a penalty awarded. Kimi at plus 1,400, especially because he will probably never leave the pitch, especially it goes into extra time. So as Zayich probably gets subbed off, as in Nasari probably gets subbed off, the is still sitting there. It's kind of like it's a big risk. But if like your gut is telling you that that's the guy that's going to take, that's going to step to the spot with a penalty. That's a really big number for something that, that and we, you have brought this up in the World Cup. We have seen lots of penalties, and this is the the dog days of the World Cup. And Uwe Mekano has not been exactly like graceful yeah. in the back line for France.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like this one quite a bit for two reasons. One, like forget the one in four, France has given up three penalties in the last two matches. Um, they're dangling legs. They're playing a little bit recklessly, like the Hernandez penalty in the 80th minute to just clear yeah. that guy out without looking at the ball. That was and just struck Mason Ma- like Ma- that's
1: insanity. Like <laughs> a personal grievance against Mason.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's one reason. I mean, France like. They're they're giving out penalties, you know, like candy at Halloween. Uh, And then secondly, like Hakimi should be barred for life for taking a high pressure penalty after Peneca, that one that sent them through. Like that was one of the craziest damn things I've ever seen to go in the World Cup and try one of the riskiest strategies that there is in the uh, spot kick game. Like he should never (laughs) go again for Morocco. That was nuts. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I, my gut reaction would be that Ziyech ends up stepping up and taking the penalty, but I also think because he showed the cojones to do that in a pressure moment, given the weight of this World Cup, I would just not be shocked if Hakimi ends up taking that penalty. Again, we don't know. Probably only the Moroccan coaching staff knows who would be the penalty taker here, um, but this is kind of a fun way to, like, use the odds and and Hakimi or sorry Zayach is plus 600 in his own right and Zayach yeah. has the benefit of he will be taking shots he will be shooting at the goal in open play so like both Hakimi at plus 1400 and Zayach at plus 600 are good plays when you factor in that they are going to have some penalty opportunities baked in
0: yeah, Zayas is also good on set pieces if there's a ball yeah. that he could take directly from the right side exactly. and take a shot at goal. So you do get extra equity there. So that's a good one. Sorry
1: line. to make you talk about him so much. Like I know this is painful for you, but like
0: all good man. To... All he's doing is pumping up his sale value. I'm I'm all for him being a superstar yeah. in the World Cup. It's amazing. Uh all right. So we're gonna take one more break. We're gonna do the five point, then we're gonna get you out of here. Okay, so let us walk through the five pint, which is the best that we feel the most strongly about for these semifinals. You are up right now because uh, Harry Kane couldn't convert a second penalty, which allowed you (laughs) to crush a plus 400 France win and both teams to score a bet last time around. So congratulations to you. Uh, That might have won you the entire month, but you won the last month because Messi missed the penalty. You might win this month because Harry Kane missed the penalty. I'm actually taking my process over your results, baby.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I'm not going to really be too excited that the, some of the best soccer players in the world are just missing penalties for me to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all
0: right, so let's see what we're going to see this week and who Brett's going to trick into missing a penalty so he can look into <laughs> another big bet. Uh, I am taking, as I, I said this entire show, I try to be more exciting. I try to be daring. I've thrown the U.S. in here quite a bit. I'm more than happy to take you know something that's counter to the popular narrative uh not this week Brett. i'm playing square square plays i was about to curse but you know michael's recording us late enough on a monday night i don't want to give him extra work uh so here's where i'm going france argentina just to advance so that is the final extra times penalty regular times i don't care when put it together it's minus 150 give me a pint on that that's what we're going to see next sunday Uh then I'm gonna throw a second pint on something to juice the number up. France, Argentina, both to win on the money line. So both to win in the 90. That goes instead of my minus 150, that gets you all the way up to plus 170. So I'm gonna kind of spread my risk around and put one pint on each of those. Um, France race to two is minus 110, which is one I like because I do think France is gonna score twice in this match. And I just don't see Morocco hitting that number. And then finally, The arguably two best players in the entire world, the two best players in the tournament, each to score, I'm putting one pint on each of them. Mbappe, anytime goal, plus one twenty five. Messi anytime goal plus one thirty. Not adventurous, public bets, probably dumb bets. The asses are or the masses are asses, as they like to say. But that is where I am at on the five-pint for this week, Brett.
1: Well, you know, someone's smart. Would probably do the same thing and take more you know, talk, chalky, straightforward things. But I am not smart. I am not that person. Um, I am going to take probably some unnecessary risk in our little venture here. But I think it's good value. So I'm going to roll with it. Um, I'm going to go with the Morocco train first since I'm clearly on it. Maybe the conductor. I'm not sure what the seating situation is like here. But I'm going to take Zayach at plus 600 at any time. Uh, for all the reasons that we talked about, I think there's a good chance of a penalty. I think he's the guy that probably takes it. He is going to be taking uh, free kicks for them, and he will also probably be launching anytime he's within 30 yards of goal and has any space to get on his left foot and shoot at it. at Hugo Lloris. Um, So I'm taking Zayas at plus 600. I'm taking Morocco to advance at plus 300. Um, I think this game gets to extra time, and once it's there, I feel like they got the chance to close it out, get to penalties, and who knows what happens there. Um, and Alexis McAllister is weird to do anytime goal scorers here. I got two pints on him, but plus 500 for all the reasons I talked about, I think if you take Messi out of the equation and you're looking for an open plate goal, he to me seems like the guy that has been getting into dangerous spots enough to get those shots off and try to convert them. I'll take the plus 500 on him. Uh, and then my last one is Toby special, baby. The corners. under 8.5 8. corners. In the Argentina match, uh, I'm going to put two pints on that one. Again, minus 137, not a great line, uh, but I am fairly convinced that that game is going to be very mild passive possession. And I just do not see them getting to that number.
0: All right. Well, uh, two different approaches to these matches. I could hit all of my bets and still lose to Brett if he hits one of his because he has so many long shots in there. So you want to play high variance, then Brett's got you covered. You want to play these square plays in the semifinals, then I am your man. Uh, we have really. We really enjoyed doing this with you. We appreciate you listening. And next time you hear our voice, we will be down to a single game. We are not talking about the third place game because it's an abomination. But the next time <laughs> we talk, we will only be talking about the World Cup final, where legends are minted for eternity. Uh, so thank you very much. We will be back later in the week, either Thursday or Friday, to talk about the final match of the 2022 World Cup. Hope you enjoy the semis. Hope you skip out of work hope you really uh revel in this while you still can because once it's gone it's gone for four years baby so enjoy the next 48 hours take care care. everyone